This is the second of our two exclusive KGEZ Good Morning Show drill downs made possible by Dent Magic, the valley's leader in less invasive repair method just north of Platte Electric Co op, Highway 2 in Evergreen, to Washington, D.C., Linda Kenyon. Good morning, Linda. Well, good morning. Good morning. I guess I'm having a better morning than a 1,200-pound mare. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, first there's the weight differential and uh, <laughs> the atmospheric river, I guess. Anyway, lots <sighs> lots going on in the uh, world of politics that can you we, cover. Can we think of any more sanctions we can put on Russia? <laughs> We can. In fact, we apparently are imposing a 500, yes, that's a 5, followed by a 0 and another 0, new sanctions targeting Russia. And uh, the uh, Biden administration is unveiling those sanctions today. They cover a wide range of areas and follow the uh, death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny and come to uh, coincide with uh, the two-year mark two-plus years uh, in the uh, Russian war against Ukraine. So uh, there is a broad outline on what those sanctions will will include, including individuals connected to Navalny's imprisonment, targeting Russia's financial sector, its defense industrial base, its procurement networks, and all of those sanctions evaders who are on multiple continents nearly 100 new export restrictions, which will also block the shipment of items to Russia, and sanctions targeting Russia's energy profits. Uh, How much can the administration do in this area without getting Congress involved? Well, these are all executive uh, orders, and so Congress does not have to get involved, Um, but they would be temporary, and uh, that is the nature of the executive uh, order, because uh, there is still separation of uh, powers, or is supposed to be, and uh, co-equal branches of government. These can go in. Uh, Congress might balk at some of them. Congress may attempt to stop some of them. But given the current climate and the war against uh, Ukraine, and the fact that Congress has not uh, passed aid to Ukraine, it continues to be stalled, particularly in the House. Uh, these sanctions uh, will go ahead without Congress. Hmm. Yeah, just but you know, at some point somebody's going to say, uh, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> you know, uh, only Congress can declare war. Although that hasn't really been the case in the last two or three wars we've uh, been in. That is true, and uh, that has often been a bone of contention. And any time that U.S. armed forces have been involved in conflicts overseas, Congress has balked at that if the president has a- acted unilaterally. But also remember, the pre- the president of the United States is the commander-in-chief. So, yeah, it does uh, kick up a lot of dust on Capitol Hill, uh, and it surfaces uh, from time to time. I suspect that we will hear more in that direction, but given the current climate, uh, Ukraine's uh, effort to defend itself against the Russian invasion, uh, and uh, the war in um, Israel against uh, Hamas and uh, U.S. Uh, not involvement in terms of uh, boots on the ground, but uh, it's, uh, it's uh, siding with Israel. There's going to be a lot of debate about wars coming up when Congress returns next week from their recess. Well, we were talking earlier this morning with Congressman Matt Rosendale, 
And uh, the gist I got from him, Robin, is that, uh, you know, he just wants to cut the whole thing off. And we're just spending too darn much money, and we've got to take care of the debt. And, uh, you know, Ukraine needs to fend for itself. So does Israel. Yeah, well, that is one of the um, viewpoints of the most conservative House Republicans. Uh, the uh, moderate Republicans and the Democrats have some serious um, disagreements with them on that, saying that, uh, you know, the U.S. must help Ukraine or Russia will not stop at Ukraine. It will invade uh, surrounding NATO nations. U.S. is a NATO nation. And all NATO nations are obligated to defend fellow NATO nations from invasion. So that was something that was developed after World War II, expected to, uh, you know, with the anticipation that it would stop a World War III. And, uh, you know, so the House conservatives are very strong on this issue, but they are um, just numerically speaking outnumbered. You know, the the thing that was fascinating at the conclusion of World War II was that uh, uh, we, of course, fought against Germany. And once Germany was defeated, the question was, what about Russia? Well, mm-hmm. Russia has been the problem ever since. Russia, as you recall, was an ally of the U.S. during World War II, although kind of a um, an ally that the U.S. Uh, didn't necessarily uh, trust 100 uh, percent, but it was a matter of expediency. And... Uh, Yes, ever since then, uh, the uh, U.S. has often eyed Russia very cautiously. Well, you know, uh, what do they say? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. the uh, interesting thing in the conversation with Matt this morning, uh, you know, he kind of diverted the conversation about supporting Ukraine and Israel, that money that was attached to the border bill in the Senate should be handled separately, but was not enthusiastic about that money being spent. Now, interestingly, neither Israel or Ukraine are NATO countries, but uh, we've always supported Israel, and now there's this backlash uh, because of the way they're handling the war and the Palestinian crisis. But on, on the other hand, Ukraine was invaded uh, wasn't their choice, and uh, without a lifeline, uh, it's a death sentence, the way things are being handled now. And I can't help but think of the legislative branch as being constipated. Nothing's really happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the visual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that really is a very apt description right now. Um, you know, President Biden was very um, angry with uh, the House for going home not only a week, uh, you know, but two days prior to their week-long uh, scheduled recess without dealing with a number of issues. Topping the list was the uh, foreign aid bill, which includes aid to Ukraine and Israel. And the other is uh, averting a government shutdown because that deadline is coming and the uh, ticking clock is getting louder and louder, sort of like in Peter Pan. That's like a week week away now. Yeah, there's two funding deadlines coming up. One is March 1st, one is March 8th. Some federal government agencies not yet funded uh, on new fiscal numbers 
will run out on March 1st. The rest will run out on March 8th. And uh, the U.S. is presently operating under a continuing resolution, which continues by its very name, uh, present-level funding. Present-level funding is last year's funding. And uh, it's kind of really hard to sort of, you know, run a household, let alone a country, uh, when you are doing it one week, one month at a time. Hmm. And, you know, there's a point here where uh, where the American taxpayer is going to be tapped out, and we're getting to that point here pretty quickly, it seems. Uh, so somewhere along the line, some changes have got to be made. Well, that is the argument that is heard often. The U.S. has to continue uh, to fund its interests, uh, take care of its people, but at what cost to future generations? And if the uh, current level of spending continues, it is viewed as unsustainable. So this comes down to some very basic philosophical differences between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. The Democrats are saying there has to be a revenue component in any budget deal, which means taxes or changing the tax structure. Uh, in particular, in this case, the Democrats are saying that corporations, millionaires and billionaires, uh, are not paying their fair share and that there's all these uh, tax loopholes that only the rich seem to be able to take advantage of, while the middle class and the poor are taking the brunt of uh, the tax structure. And the Republicans are saying uh, no taxes. We're, we're not a tax advocate uh, political party. Uh, we need spending cuts. And these two basic philosophical differences have been in full force for generations, and we're not going to see that change uh, we're just going to see more fighting unless there is, of course, an agreement or a willingness for both sides to work together. Okay, Donald, we used to have what they called a graduated tax rate, which is really kind of uh, non-existent compared to where it was when things were better fiscally in this country. And uh, the the way the we have in all of the Trump litigation, all these court cases— a visual of how somebody with deep pockets can uh, perpetuate court cases that go on forever, which the common man can't. We don't have the financial wherewithal. Uh, at some point, uh, we've got to look at the revenue side of the picture as opposed to no new taxes. Well, here's something, Robin, which you, to your point. Um, these court cases aren't free. No. I mean, you've got judges who make money. You've got court reporters and uh, and juries, and uh, people all get paid. And the lawyers. Oh yeah. yes, get the lawyers. Yeah. How many lawyers do we have in this country? I guess we need more, don't we? <laughs> I, I have to tell you, there's like a little joke that goes on in Washington <laughs> where um, if you are um, a lawyer or a journalist, you can't sit on a jury because you know too much. <laughs> but in Washington, everybody's a lawyer or a journalist, so there's really no choice. <laughs> yeah, so that's your excuse for not serving, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll take the weekend off, come back Monday, and uh, let's see where things uh, stand right there. As always, Linda, thanks for your great reporting, and thank you for the drill down this morning. You're welcome. You all have a wonderful weekend. You Same too. to you all.